Hello, everybody. Hey, I'm Matt. I'm Zach. And this is MZ Car Guys Podcast. You can find us on all the social media at MZ Car Guys. And did you know, did you know that you can reach us carguys at gmail.com? It is true. You can. So, uh, Matt, I'm feeling a bit showy. Oh, you so rarely do, Jack. Zach. Um, so this is the tail end of the auto show season. It's we uh, we went to the SF Auto Show this Thanksgiving weekend, and I thought it was a, it was a pretty good show, all things considered. Definitely it, a couple of highlights was. I want to I want to go over. Um, some things that are kind of kind of nerdy, and some things might be kind of like broader appeal. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of hard because uh, Matt and I work. Uh, or live in the uh, will work and live I guess uh, in the San Francisco Bay area, um, and so we we go to the San Francisco International Car Show, um, our auto show, which unfortunately kind of plays second fiddle to a bigger brother, which is the LA show. The LA Auto Show is a much bigger show. That's where they have some reveals of things that's where they have a lot of the concept vehicles and so forth um but it's kind of nice in a way because when you go to the san francisco auto show it's purely just the cars that are either coming out or are already out yeah for the most part so yeah it's 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 a second tier auto show, but that's not necessarily a bad thing, like Zach was saying. So it's it's not like it's dramatically, you know, somehow worse or less opulent or less <clears throat> of an experience than something like, say, the New York International Auto Show or the LA Auto Show. Um, and the LA Auto Show, which occurs a few weeks before or the week before, depending, it generally is considered the the end of the top tier auto show season and which is which is fine it because then it means that sf gets most of the cool cars that have already been announced that that we then get to you know see them without a line of 20 people in front of us yeah so i i guess we can just start um, in the far back corner which was uh honda um sure and the only real thing that was yep go ahead uh, yeah the only thing that was really there was the crv hybrid uh, that's coming out round about March. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they had uh, they had the Type R again, but the Civic Type R has been out for a while. I think the one they had on display there was like serial number fifteen thousand seven hundred or something. So it wasn't exactly yeah, something like that. You know, a big big deal. And of course, someone stole the gear shift knob like they always do. Um, well, no, 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 no. They, they have to. They, yeah, right. they 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 take them out. Okay. Uh, so nobody can take them. And stuff that's so. nice, nice preventative because it's a it's a nice piece of aluminum unless it's a hot day out or a very cold day um so so what yeah, did the, you, so, so so your thoughts on the crv hybrid i and i don't and then have I'll a lot more. of thoughts at, yeah i don't have a lot of thoughts at this point because we don't know the mpg so it's it's really hard to say um i found a stat a few weeks ago that said that Toyota sold in the U.S. sold as many Rav4 hybrids, just just Rav4 hybrids, in an average month as Honda sold 
fit hatchbacks in an average three month period. Well, I mean, the well, not really. I mean, small uh, subcompact hatchbacks have been dying out in in the American market. Yeah, that's fair. for For several years now, um, and ever since the uh, the flooding of the Slaya Mexico plant, which shut down a lot of fit manufacturing in in you know in North America. I, I, I'm not sure if Honda's ever really recovered from that, um, hmm, okay. so to speak, in that type of um, thing. So, but it's, but it's, it's the CRV. Now, did you get any information on whether the CRV hybrid will have multiple trim levels? I mean, I assume it will. Yeah, we. So, what we know right now on it is we know it'll have multiple trim levels. I'm going to guess that you'll at least have a touring. Because that's what they had at the show. Is they had a touring. Um, okay. I, I I don't think it'll have as many levels as the Accord Hybrid. Um, I think you'll probably have like three of them. So I think you'll have like the touring. I think you'll okay. have like an EX version, uh, and then a base model version. So okay. Well, the Rev Four has four levels, so that's not 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 far off. Um, yeah, so yeah. The, the train was not the. I had mixed feelings about the sort of the, the amount of of fake wood that was in the CRV hybrid touring, because in a way it did feel that kind of luxurious, but also felt old person luxurious, like they're like they're really targeting boomers for this car, which. Um, maybe I I don't know if they're targeting boomers. I think it would. I, I think if anybody targeted boomers for cars. Um, that would be a really bad idea. Yeah, <laughs> because they're all dying. Which is you and I, you know, love being Gen X. <laughs> the reality is, is that you know the the big mark, you know the, the 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 big market coming up is is the millennials, um, and. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think you need to really put yourself in a position to where you need to get to them. Um, I, I've become used to the, the kind of in the, in the CRVs that they've had them since the came out. I'm mm -hmm. not a fan of it. Um, still haven't been a fan of it. Um, but yeah. I do appreciate um, the I, I appreciate the something on the center console to kind of break up the 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 blackness of of everything on the yeah. center console. It added a something. I wish it was a different design of something, but at least there's something there to break that up visually. Right, and I'll give them points for not going along with the entire industry, which seems to be doing plastic uh, plasticized chrome. That seems to be the default. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, and I, I, like, I wish. Go ahead. Oh, I just was going to say a couple of things. I know this is really nerdy and really detailed, but bear with me. It wouldn't be me if I didn't. Um, the the Qi charging pad was a really good size and really nicely laid out. It felt kind of kind of up to date as opposed to feeling kind of old and stodgy. The way it, some of them can kind of just sort of sit there flatly, like it's just look like a waste of space. Yeah, if you don't know what you're looking. 
I enjoyed that. Um, I also enjoyed the fact I also enjoyed the updates to the fascia. I think is the big update um, for the for the refresh, which is across all 2020 CRV models, and the car is a lot less ugly now than it's been for the last three years. Um, I, I don't know. I I I never thought that it was ugly. I, oh. I think it, it took Personal me. A second. Well, I I don't think it's pretty by any stretch of the imagination. But a Honda, but but you know a Pontiac Aztec, it is not. Uh, or again, you can now say well, that's truck. a very low bar. Hmm? Well, that's a yeah. very low bar to step over, yeah. and and a very <laughs> low blow. Um, but I, uh, so I, I don't really. It, it's not quite as dramatic as Honda's mid-cycle refreshes have. Um, but. I, I think it's one of those, you know, you, you can love her, you know, you can here, here, here's what I'll say about, about the Honda CRV styling is that it's, it's the same level of whatever you think it is all the way around. Whereas, okay. <laughs> hold on. Whereas when it comes to say like the RAV4, the RAV4 has like one or two spots which are like, oh, okay. And then the rest of it is, what? Mm, I, I've looked at the RAV4 a lot. And yeah. uh, here's, here's, what I, here's where I stand at this point, which is that the, the CRV, particularly the pre-refresh, the 17, 18, 19 model, Definitely, you're right. It is consistently puffy and bloated looking over across the entire car. Uh, I say consistently like, whatever you think it is. <laughs> I know you did, and I my and the word I inserted was puffy and bloated. Um, <laughs> you know, it 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 looks like a CR. It's it looks like a compact crossover that just had an allergic reaction to something and is now puffy and bloated. Um, <laughs> With with the Rav Four, there are two distinct distinct grills, and one of them is very much Tacoma derived in the models that are canted toward that off roady experience, and the, and the Rav Four definitely fails more in that respect. It's when they stick yes. to the more traditional models, like the XLE, for example, or you know, basically not off roady, where it works a lot better, where the um, where the roof rails are flush to the not flush, but very almost flush to the to the body to the roof as opposed to elevated. Where try where it tries, where it doesn't appear to be trying as hard to look butch. It's where the Rav4 works a lot better. And then there's a chromey, not well, it's not a mustache like the CRV is, but there's a chrome bit across the tailgate below the glass that seems to work a lot better. It's on certain models, not on other ones. Um, and when it's body colored, it works even better. So I appreciate that it's sort of angular without trying too hard. Like I said, unless you get an adventure or. I think the new TRD model that just came out obviously is trying too hard, but but basically, if when the when yeah. the when the, the summary is when the Rav Four is honest about what it is and what it's for, I think it works a lot better than the standard CRV does visually. Mm, okay, That's, yeah, I I just it, I mean neither. I think I, I think what we can finally agree on is that neither one of them are good looking but i don't think either one of them are necessarily ugly 
I think they're just kind of yeah. The, 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 I I here here here's what I will say. Unlike, say, an O five Rav four or an O five CRV, mm-hmm. which have aged considerably well. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. I would say that 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 both of them have aged considerably well. These will not. Very likely, they will not. Um, visu- yeah. Visually, I would say the nineteen Rav or twenty Rav and the twenty CRV are almost on par in terms of their looks. However, you want to define that. Um, the trouble is yeah. in this category, it's very hard to find something that's on it's on sale now that you could consistently and without equivocation refer to as being pretty or even really good looking yeah i think the closest well, i found is either the macan or the rdx yeah true well the rdx is just gorgeous i love that car especially in blue that is a very good looking well and, and especially in this super handling all the time that's super nice anyways <laughs> um uh, one one of the things, and and I'll kind of sort of end, uh, I'll end on the CRV with this, um, and that is, I really sincerely appreciate. Um, well, one, I don't appreciate Honda showing the car off at the San Francisco Auto Show with absolutely no information, no pricing, no EPA fuel economies, no yeah. horsepower, nothing, no information at all whatsoever. No. Nothing. As a matter of fact, I will put this out there. They had a huge poster. Nobody else caught it, but you know, I did because I'm a you know a car nerd like that. They had a huge poster that said the redesigned 2020 CRV. And then the picture that they had, which was a huge picture driving in the snow, was a 2019. CRV touring and get this <laughs> get this in dark olive pearl which is no longer available in 2020 <laughs> so oh Honda never change <laughs> we said it before we'll say it again Honda's really but, good at engineering they're terrible at marketing yeah um, but uh, I, I, I do appreciate the fact that it, they did not go overboard with the hybrid, which is, I think, a w- when it comes to companies like, say, like Hyundai or Kia, when they do like a hybrid or a plug-in hybrid or an electric of something, they go off the wall. They, they, y- you instantly know. Oh my gosh, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which in, in Toyota somewhat somewhat Toyota yeah. with, with their RAV4 hybrid. But in all honesty, unless you unless you happen to catch the hybrid label on the side, you can't tell the 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 CRV hybrid from from a regular CRV. And the only way that you can tell from the inside is the push button transmission, which I like, by the way, I think, you know, it, once you understand that it's tactile, not visual idiots, it works perfectly fine. Um, 
it's, but it's, the, it's, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't dislike it. I've, I've, I've had some experience with it. I don't dislike it. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, um, but I also like that you didn't really you lose that much cargo space. Basically, the the dual level loading floor, which mm-hmm. I didn't totally understand on. I, I I still don't totally understand it on the the regular gasoline CRV, you know. Just make it all one level, but just just, just keep it that way. Just it's yeah, it's on it's on the Rev fours too. Yeah, it, it's it, it's 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 confusing. You're like, okay, you're giving itself another three inches. Now, of course, me being as short as I am, another three inches would be fantastic. But are are, are you really increasing your cargo capacity? dropping the floor three inches i mean really you know i i, I don't i suppose you have a size potted plant i suppose but how often is that going to happen yeah but i mean it's i don't know anyways so so filling that space with the hybrid battery pack and lifting the loading floor up but yet the loading floor is still perfectly even level with the uh with the back seats and uh, we'll we'll get to the vehicle that didn't do that very well in just a second, but it's just it they, they were able to make it a hybrid. It's all flat all the way across. Um, nice, nice. And um, so and so yeah. I'll, I'll end with. Um, I, I think Honda is doing itself a huge major disservice, um, and I really hope for 2020 they do some kind of drastic update. To the Honda Ridgeline, I think it deserves it. Oh, absolutely, it needs, yeah. it needs it. A couple, a couple of small updates across the line could make a huge difference in that truck, and it, it deserves to survive and 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 thrive a little bit. So, before anyone turns us off about the fact that we're discussing compact crossovers ad infinitum, please just a brief moment to reflect on the fact that this is the best-selling category of car in the U.S., and for better or worse, they're here to stay. So, yeah. There are a lot of people who care about this stuff. And, you know, I mean, if I saw something, some staggering number like last year, the CRV and RAV4 combined sold almost 800,000 cars in the U.S. between those two models. Oh, alone. my gosh. That's insane. So, so you know, before well, you shut us well, and, because, and because they were And because they were next door, let's move on to Toyota. I'm glad you mentioned that. Okay, so a couple and, of quick things to back up on something uh, Zach said. So... If you are shopping the compact crossover or just care, um, the RAV4 doesn't lose any cargo space uh, to the hybrid battery, nor does it lose its spare tire. The RAV4 hybrid plug-in will lose its spare tire entirely. Um, I mean, no word on cargo space yet. Um, it'll be the second fastest accelerating Toyota when it joins the lineup uh, behind the Supra. Holy crap it has like what like 301 horsepower over 300 horsepower that's right um as much or more horsepower than a camry v6 um or a highlander hybrid 2019 highlander hybrid um and 39 miles of all electric range no pricing two trim levels so um so 39 miles of all electric range huh yeah yeah okay that's Um, that's that's a serviceable range right once once you get above 30 on the range, I think you're starting to get into actually usable. Well, especially but... when you can when you when you think about like if you take a Rav Four regular hybrid, um, you're looking at 500 plus miles of range on a 
I think it's a 14. I think it's a 14 gallon fuel tank. Might be a, might be a 17, but, okay. but even so, so if, so if you're looking at a plug-in hybrid, sounds now, big. yeah, I have some, somewhere in that range, somewhere in the mid teens. Um, okay. But so if you look at then as a plug-in hybrid, now we're talking about something like six, possibly 700 miles of range without refilling your battery, your tank. That's, that used to be the kind of thing that 40. Yeah, I, I just, I, I, I think it'll have, if you're going to go to a plug-in hybrid, I mean, I think you're going to go to a smaller gas tank because you have to make room for the battery. Well, we'll see. They're talking about replacing the spare tire with a, with a battery. Um, and they're already got a big chunk of battery under the back seat. So it, who knows? I mean, the yeah. energy density thing's moving so fast that when the, Prius Prime plug-in hybrid went from the 2017 model to the 2020 model. They were able to put a third seat in the middle because it made the battery enough smaller to to fit the seat. So, yeah. with density going up, you know the the car's going to be out in nine months to a year. We'll just we'll just wait and see. But um, okay, so Toyota. Obviously, the Supra is the big deal. We've talked about the Supra. We're not going to talk a bunch about the Supra. Well, it's still right, so I I will say this because I yeah. I was poo-pooing on the Supra. I, I will yes. firmly admit that. And I still think that it is, you know, it's it's the it's the best matchup of, you know, Germany and Japan since um nineteen forty two. Anyways. Uh did you like that? Anyways, uh so I uh it was really good looking in person. Mm-hmm. It honestly was. Yeah. Um, if, 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 if you're tall, sit in one before you, before you buy it, because I have three quarters of an inch of headroom and I'm six foot two. Yeah. So yeah, there you go on that one. But yeah, I just, if, if your exact size, it, just buy one. now. It, it was much better looking in person. And and seeing it in person, I'm able to see a lot more um, callbacks to the previous generation Supras. Don't you love that script on the rear by the hatch? I do. I do. Yeah, that's that's nice. yeah. That, that script that was, was great. That was really really nice. Um, the uh, there's some rumors that there's going to be the next Supra will be a hybrid uh, performance hybrid. Not a gas hybrid hybrid. That that that'll be cool. Um, the the fact that they're calling it the 3.0 Supra or 3.0 GR Supra, which just means Gazoo Racing, which is Toyota's factory racing team. Um, the 3.0 leads me to believe that they're going to come out with a higher displacement engine. Uh, whether that's a larger inline six or whether that's something else entirely, I who knows at this point. Just but, remember, BMW is involved, and numbers mean nothing. <laughs> yes, because it's the same engine that's in the 40 series BMWs, uh, particularly the 340. Uh, uses a very, not the same, but a very similar with the same block and the same turbo. Oh, sigh. Anyways. So, <laughs> um, but, but, and this is, and I know this is going to harken back to Toyota nerds here, but bear with me for a second. But I actually really enjoyed the Camry TRD with that awesome rear wing and the uh, the Avalon the, TRD wasn't as impressive but the quad tailpipes 
they're, they're, well, the quad tailpipes are on the XSE already, but they are definitely better looking on the uh, on the uh, Camry TRD. Yeah. Um, the, so the big deal with the Camry TRD, there's no extra power. Big surprise. Uh, they didn't change the suspension much, but they did lighten the wheels. So you do get a little bit better acceleration, a little bit better braking, a little bit better handling. Um, and for that, you get red stitching on contrast stitching on the seats, a uh, little bit of red sprinkled throughout the cabin, a limited production run. I don't have numbers on that. Um, a, a spoiler that depends on your point of view is either fantastic or way overdone. Um, and uh, a nice TRD badge on the back that you didn't buy at Pep Boys. Yeah. And I mean, I this is the thing that I, that I, I, I wish like more of Toyota's competitors would do is let's, let's flare it up a little bit, you know? I mean, you know, you, you go and you look at say like a, like a VW Passat. Mm-hmm. And even when you go to like, like, a, I think they, uh, you know, the, the, the higher end, you know, high horsepower Passat. Come on, let's let's flare it up a little bit. You know, and and Honda Honda has a sport that they threw you know the the detuned Type R engine into the, the you know that two point turbo, which is fantastic. But all you do is change the wheels out and add a decklid spoiler. Let's yeah. let's kind of. You know, let, let's go up with this. You know, I mean, you're dealing with a Type R engine. Let's, you know, how about an Accord Type R? Hey, you know, jeez uh, <laughs> Louise. Sure. Anyway, I settled for an Accord SI at this point. I mean, any of you remember the Ford Fusion Sport, the uh, all-wheel drive, 350 horsepower car? Yeah, that thing, that thing was almost cool, but it didn't have. It, it, I I have to give it up to Toyota though because. They 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 brought nothing looks like the TRD. No, absolutely. You know, and yeah. and if you and if you if you look at an Accord Sport, I'm just you know using the the Accord Sport because it's like its biggest competition. If you sure. look at the Accord Sport and then just don't look at the wheels, you don't know what it is. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, if you can't see the badge of the wheels, there's no way to tell. Yeah, I mean, if you're Doesn't looking look at the roof line. The roof line looks the exact same, or if like looking at the back of it, it looks almost the exact same the as an LX, a base model LX. Or you're like, yeah, yeah. It's it's it doesn't it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to do it that way. But you know, it's just yeah. Have some fun with it. The other thing that just got announced that that the auto show didn't have, but I think is worth mentioning, is that, and I hate to say this because I'm not a huge Toyota fan, but because everything that I think everything they make is a little soft and a little too conservative uh, mechanically is they're going to make multiple Camry all-wheel drive versions and multiple Avalon all-wheel drive versions for 2020 and 2020 model one model years respectively and they're smart enough to put heated seats in all the Camry all-wheel drives and heated steering wheels in all the Avalon all-wheel drives and I think that's kind of cool well it makes sense because you're primarily to the people going over, like the people in Colorado or the people who, you yeah. know, drive, you know, from, from this, like, like, and I'm just using this 
like, you know, from the San Francisco Bay Area up to, like, say, Tahoe, or if you're in L.A., you drive over to Mammoth, you know, and stuff. You kind of go up to the snow and everything. Um, But, you know, or people live up around Seattle and stuff. Yeah, you know, it's it makes sense. Yeah, it's basically people who want people who want all wheel drive, but don't want a crossover, which would be people like you and me, frankly. If we needed all wheel drive, I want to. I want a sedan. I don't want to be up in one of those rickety crossover things. I'm not a crossover person. No, I want to. I want to. I want to drive the car. I don't want to feel like I'm, you know, piloting something on stilts. Yeah, even though I do have to admit that you know that um, suspension on you know SUVs have gotten a whole lot better. Yeah, it's it's still not you're never going to rep. Well, I shouldn't say never. It's it's so expensive and complicated to replicate a sedan type experience in a crossover or even a coupe experience. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so anyway, so m- moving through the floor, Nissan was next all right all right so nissan was there so then there's ford no no stop 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 there's two things that i want to talk about with nissan fine you one one the the new they had the new uh nissan Sentra that i don't think will be much better than it was before um maybe incrementally but I think that thing looks a whole lot better. I, I I think it can compete directly with, as far as looks wise, they 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 kind of nailed a lot of the looks wise, which I've always liked the way the way the Maxima looks. So I mean I I, I think that's 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 the positive that I got from Nissan. The negative is that you're celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Z series with the 370Z, which is going on a decade old. And it's not even, a, and the 370 wasn't even a complete rebuild from the 350. So realistic so in actuality you're dealing with a chassis that's approaching 20 years old and you have the gall to just kind of put a, a, a decal kit 50th anniversary on a turd that you've basically been polishing for 20 years I believe that's called lipstick on a pig it's not even a good pig. <laughs> it, it's, it, it, I mean, it, when it when it first came out, that was a freaking awesome car. It was, but now when you have, when you're getting the same or better, actually, when you're getting better performance out of a Civic. Sorry, I spit on your grave. Would you can you do a quick uh, wiki search and see if the 350Z debuted during the Clinton administration? Uh, go ahead. I don't think it did, but go ahead. Okay. Uh, so so go ahead and talk and Ford. talk about what you want. Well, I appreciate that. 
because um, when I when uh, I walked uh, through the auto show and I saw the Nissan booth, I didn't even slow down. Um, so the big news of the Ford booth, no surprise, is the GT500, and it looks so much better in person than the photos that I've seen online. Mainly because for some reason online, the way that safety reinforcing mid grill bar, whatever you want to call it, thing across the middle of that huge mouth of it that it has when that bar contrasts then with the spoiler splitter thing underneath uh for aerodynamics it, online it makes it look like the car has a massive underbite like that spoiler juts out and like this huge negative space in the middle of the car it just looks awful like um like it was half-baked, like someone didn't finish the car. But in person, it's beautifully balanced. It looks fantastic. That mouth is obviously made for sucking in massive amounts of air Yeah, through the supercharger. And 760-rated wheel horsepower. The Carbon Revolution wheels that are on it look oh, so much better than the ones that are on the GT350 because they are better. Uh, Motor Trend, I think? had an article on the two wheels and comparing them side by side and how much better engineering they are in just what the last five year period, roughly. Um, if you don't mind the star shape, I like the star shape. I like symmetrical spokes, so they work. It's just, just fantastic. Um, is, the yeah. red color showroom floor was particularly striking and <laughs> yeah. the black stripes really helped. And the, uh, it's, it's just it's the first GT500 that's good for more than going in a straight line. Which and is that's, amazing. That's tremendous. Yeah, yeah. It was also the first non-live axle GT500, which helps. But Yeah. Uh, by but the way, yeah. uh, your, the answer to your question is sort of. <laughs> so okay. it, on January 8th, 2001, so just like a week before the inauguration of uh, President A. George W. Bush. Um, they introduced the concept. Okay. Um, so, okay, so road, road going models were yeah, gotcha. But it was released in 2002, in the summer of 2002. Okay. So, okay, okay. So, so just after <laughs> <laughs> So, the 350Z, the, which, is, which is the same as the 370Z, essentially is nearly as old as 9-11, the, the 9-11 terrorist attacks. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, God. I, I mean let's, let's just say the, three, the 370Z, which is just, you know, which is a bigger engine and, and a couple of uh, suspension tweaks and stuff, you know, and a little bit of thinning of the, you know, kind of some of the sheet mill kind of changing a little bit and stuff, was... 2009 june of 2009 so, so it's just it's almost as old as the great recession yeah i mean it's just it's it's insane. So, unbelievable um so that, that was a big deal for in the ford thing um lots of kids jumping up and down in the beds of pickup trucks which i thought was hilarious um and uh yeah, that was pretty much the Ford booth as far as I could tell. Yeah. Oh, but the one thing of note, and this is, I'm going to make an observation. I'm going to let you take whatever from that you will, not use that in the public, is there was a huge announcement from Ford 
go to any co- come to the information center, whatever the main hub was for the Ford display, pick up this coupon, go to your nearest Ford dealer, take a test drive of any Ford vehicle, and get a fifty dollar gift card. Then there was a Hank the Robot display over in one corner. Next show starts at four thirty, whatever it was. You know this robot thing on this podium starts up and, and appears to be very interactive and AI and who knows how it, actually it AI it was, right? Um, and Hank the Robot's only true purpose was to remind people that they can go to any Ford dealer and get a $50 gift card just for test driving a car, which to me stinks of desperation. I don't think desperation. I, I just think, I think it's a lot of flair and, you know, and, and, you know, and whatever type of thing they they've had that same robot there for four years now, something like that. It's the same thing that kind of mm-hmm. comes, and you know, it's still it's slightly interactive. I think it's um, I think it's like you know, like most things that are like that, that there's a, there's a person behind you know oh, yeah. the curtains or anything like that. But I but yeah. I, I just I I don't necessarily want to want to you know harp on the on the on the actual you know things that were watching you know that they had or any of the booths themselves and we just want to talk about the cars that right because it's because it'd be easy you know you know it'd be really easy to kind of you know dog it and stuff like that because you know it's the san francisco auto show it's not the big one so right okay last thing this is about the gt500 so we're going to go back to the cars for a second is yeah i walked in the back of the car and granted i haven't been around a lot of high performance cars but I saw that spoiler, that fiber spoiler, and I have kind of gorilla-esque hands. I have, mm. well, glove-wise, they're male, size large, like plus, like not big enough for extra large, but too too big for large. I put my hand out, and Zach knows it's fairly wide, from thumb to pinky on one side of the uh, of the wing spoiler, and there was another three inches of width on that spoiler. I guess was maybe it's length, but anyway, but you know, the short way. Yeah. That thing is massive. It's gotta be, and I'm not exaggerating, ten inches a foot, maybe. Yeah, it was it was it was big. And the reason why I know how how wide Matt's hand is and how long his orangutan <laughs> arms are is that we were when we were doing our uh EV you know, fit EV road trip, um, you know, one of the uh, GoPro cameras fell off of the roof and it was on the passenger side and i was like oh okay i'll just pull over so we can get out of the car and get it and matt's like no i got it he reaches his hand all the way out the window and then wraps his big freaking orangutan arm up and around and grabs it and it was just just, pulled off the windshield and then yeah he just pulled it off the wind and it was just i just remember looking at it and that and that's where you know the my nickname for a monkey boy comes from which is that yeah anyways um but yeah yeah, so i i also like the uh the the ford gt Mm -hmm. all seeing that in person is is just always it's so cool because you're kind of just seeing it all the different angles and stuff like that and the flying buttress design um i i just to, to, to piggyback on that i never get tired of seeing the ford gt from a straight on back view 
way that huge area opens up you look at those two massive exhaust pipes that are wrapped around that body wrapped around by body work in the middle of the yeah. car seeing all that air that just comes by the, there's that yet huge gap of light essentially that comes in directly from behind because you expect to be filled in by like body work you know metal cockpit yeah. that whole thing but no, it just tapers down like a like a like a uh, drop of water really well what's um, what's interesting to me is is really, that and we'll get this to this in a second is that ford made it on on the, on the ford gt it's so it's it, it's so just in your face it's so just apparent that you know you're looking at this this huge air gap between you know the wheels and the back end and acura nsx does a similar thing but it's so much more hidden mm-hmm um so it, 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 i don't know it's it well yeah it's very much of a japanese style of you know no we'll be over here we're fine well and and, and i which, and, which, and my biggest problem is is that i don't which one i like the best <laughs> i don't well i know which one I, I know which one i'd rather drive i'd rather drive because... the nfx <laughs> Well, yeah, because the GT is essentially a homologated race car. It's, you know, every little stone that the wheels pick up pings off of the bodywork and makes this massive noise as it reverberates through the carbon fiber shell. Yeah. And the seat is bolted to the floor. The pedals move, but yeah. the seat is bolted in one place. So, I mean, there's no comfort. And, like, if you and I were to get into that car, like, my elbow would literally be in your lap. Yeah, that would suck. Yeah. There's just there's there's no room in those in that thing. The NSX truly is a livable you know supercar like the first one was. Yeah. Um, so so where to next? Well, I I have Lexus next. Okay. Oh, uh, Lexus. And I want to start with the really positive stuff, which is the LC five hundred. Uh, well, how positive? What What do you mean positive? Bear with the fact you. the fact that it looks gorgeous. Yes, from every angle. Oh, um, yes, it does. It is, it is the best road-going expression of the Lexus spindle grille you will find anywhere. Oh, yeah, by far. Which is, again, a very low bar um, to be over. The seats were way more confined and sporty and kind of race car-y feeling than I expected. Uh, beautiful car. It is one of the last naturally aspirated v8 engines you can buy today in any car period much less yep. uh electric car like this um i don't know if you can count the maserati Gran turismo because the last one just rolled off the line but i'm going to i've, I've driven that um you've got another CD, cd player which i thought was odd yeah that was really cool that's i don't know whether that speaks to when the car was designed or the target audience or what, but really nicely integrated too. It wasn't just sort of slapped on. It was almost like slid in there kind of feel the way it kind of, kind of recessed a little bit. Which um, talks, which talks to when it was originally designed. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Um, so not that I expect many people to crush up the two because of the price difference and the reliability difference, but if you look at the Gran Turismo, which is handmade and $40,000 more expensive to start. And $40,000 more expensive to drive. <laughs> over the course of three years, definitely. Um, is The Maserati is much better at fitting more than two people. 
Um, it has four legitimate adult size seats um, in the car that fit real people. The compromise for that is a complete lack of trunk space. The trunk will fit one overnight bag tops, whereas the LC500 has a real trunk. Yeah. Um, you know, other than that, the Maserati feels heavier because it is heavier. It's handmade. It's Italian. So it's got all those peccadillos. Um, the LC500 feels like a car you could buy now and drive every day for the next 10 years and not worry about it. Yeah. Basically. And then pass it down to your kids and then they can drive it. Um, so it's got that. Um, the uh, Moving on, the GX uh, is, a, is a big favorite of mine because essentially it's a european slash asian land cruiser with luxury appointments inside same engine same chassis same transmission same everything just yeah. more electronics more leather more goodies it's a dressed up crappier, toyota crappier grill yeah it's, it's, it's dressed up it's it, yeah it's it's a toyota forerunner with a better drive line so yeah the forerunner drive line with a four liter v6 and the five speed uh, automatic is well, archaic is putting it nicely. I just but think that I, I think that Honda did better or is doing better differentiating its upline Acura better than Toyota is doing with Lexus. Hmm. I, I think I think the I think the RDX is a is an evolution to the to the CRV. I think it's currently M- on its own chassis. By the way, the RDX doesn't share its chassis with anything else. Yeah, but I mean, it, but it but it used to be, which is it, yeah, it, it, it used to be the CRV. Right, but that's that's part of to your point. The RDX is now its own chassis, which makes it even more different. Yeah, and and yeah. and Toyota hasn't done that with the Lexus. So it's not like as much the rear drive stuff is, but not the front drive stuff. The front yeah. drive stuff is very clearly a fancy Toyota. Yeah. So it's like, you know, so so I think that, you know, and even with, you know, the 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 R the RLX. RX? Oh, the accurate RLX? Yeah. Yeah. So which is which is the chassis from the eighth generation Accord? I'm pretty sure, ironically. But it's still awesome. Maybe the ninth. Maybe maybe the ninth gen. I'm not sure. I think it's, I think it's a it's, great car. I think it's the ninth. I hope it's the ninth gen. <laughs> but but I just I you know and and I think that the styling is just too. It, it's just too out there. I I. I oh, the would, Alexis Star. Yeah, I, I would think yeah. I was hoping that I'd be able to get used to it, that it would start to grow I on me as as other styling has. Like 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 and we'll get to this. Like the the styling of uh of of Lincoln has grown on me. It's gotten yeah. better to me. It's also evolved in a way that's more appealing to it, it, yes. And and the they billing just, whale stuff has never been good. And and they just haven't done well with that. Not only the front grill, but just the overall styling, you know, altogether. I think is yeah. just the, the 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 floating roof on the Lexus RX is particularly heinous. Yeah, I'm starting to get tired of the floating roof design of of most automobiles. It was it it looked old the month it came out. 
yeah that's the really sad thing is it never looked right it just it it looked like a novelty right which is never a good thing novelties are always ephemeral you know what it you know what it looked like to me it the first Mm. time that i saw it and i saw it on a nissan the first i Mm -hmm. the first time i saw it i went oh are they bringing back vinyl roofs (laughs) and then i went oh no 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 that's paint (laughs) you know what's really weird though and i can't figure this one out and maybe it's got to be the proportions or something similar to that but for some reason to me the floating roof on a van looks good yeah that's I've seen weird. It and i and it's it's some, got something about the proportions about you know the distance between say the a pillar and the and the floating c pillar or i guess d pillar maybe that's it maybe it has to be a d pillar i don't know but well because whatever, like on the uh the nissan pathfinder it looks it looks okay yeah. Yeah, but you're right. It has to be something about proportions there, but maybe it has to be a lot longer. Yeah. But yeah, the one. Oh. So let's, rather than dwell on the negative, yeah. perhaps we should move on. Yeah. Where do you want to go to next? Well, um, this is kind of embarrassing, but I'm looking at this car and I'm honestly not entirely sure. Oh, that's what it is. I had to look at the wheels. Um, C8 Corvette. Ooh, that was so. This is the first time that we've seen. Just to give you guys an idea, this is the first time that we've seen one in person. Mm-hmm. And it they chose was, a beautiful paint color. It was worth the wait. Yes, that it was. was. It's a beautiful car. They did such a good job. It. it it's very and, and and I said this when I saw the pictures of it when it was first released and seeing it in person it just re-emphasized it. it it's it's awesome to me that even though they have made it a mid-engine car which completely changes the proportions mm-hmm. it still looks distinctly corvette and i think they nailed that it 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 does the first photo i pulled up because i'm going through my photos chronologically the first photo i pulled up unfortunately was on such an angle that it looked like every other mid-engine car on the market (laughs) but it was the angle at which i took the picture once i went to the next picture i went oh right that's the vet um it's it again, um, like other cars we've talked about, is better looking in person than it is on pictures that we I see it online. The like sex of the portions are really good. Uh, everything about it looks expensive, frankly, um, and I'm sure it'll have that inherent Corvetteness, and I'm sure it'll smell like a fiberglass bass, bass boat on a hot day. But <laughs> so be it. Um, the I mentioned this to Zach in person, but that sort of, I don't know what you want to call it exactly. The wall? The wall. Yeah, thank you. But basically, the wall of HVAC buttons uh, between the passenger and driver is lower in the cockpit than I expected. So it's less less claustrophobic, less um, controversial than I, than I expected it to be. Yeah, they the wouldn't cover- let us sit in it so we couldn't see it 
right no, of hand, but, you, but I think Matt's right. Yeah, but I'm 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 tall enough that I thought I got to go look at it. Um, hey, easy. but uh, I know. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do what you can with what you got. Yep. But uh, the the color of the tannin chair they chose was really nice. The leather looked oh. very premium. Um, and didn't did you see the news just the other day that a, that apparently the both of the base model and the Z fifty one are going to be lost leaders for the Corvette. Basically, yeah, yeah, that they're going to lose money on every one they make. So, I mean, they've basically leaked, I guess, where you announce without actually announcing it that the upgraded engine is going to be upgraded engine options will include a hybrid system or a dual overhead cam twin turbo V eight. Ooh. Which, which means, and I believe the Z06 is supposed to be a dual overhead cam supercharged, maybe? I'm not sure. But, but a dual overhead cam is instead of a push rod. So basically, the push rod is going to be the entry level models, um, which explains yeah. why there's so much room in the engine bay, apparently. And the, the the glass top engine bay, which I think is an option, is is a nice option. It's got to look a lot better from one foot away than it did from our three feet away. But it's, it's nice. It's not the end of the world if it's covered up to me. Yeah. But it, it's, it's just a nice car. And chrome wheels are not an option on the C8 Corvette for oh, the first time in a long time. the heavens above. Um, in my opinion, this is the best looking Corvette ever made but, but but it's not that far from the C2 split window but I think it trumps the C2 mm, we're gonna have to agree to disagree <laughs> I think a 1964 Stingray is still the best looking Corvette ever made I, I yeah so, but Matt and it's, I you differ know on it's, on old car a, versus new car. Well, yeah, I'm I'm definitely a new car leaning. I'm definitely a 21st century car guy for sure, um, in general. But I can appreciate the old stuff to a degree. Yeah, um, which is weird because I love chicken stick. Um, speaking of which, first Corvette ever without a stick shift option. Uh, basically, they said they couldn't get a stick that could handle the torque and also. They didn't want to drill into the transmission tunnel because it would. They said it would affect structural integrity, which to me sounds like a bunch of crap. Um, that they yeah, put up because they only offer the offer the automatic. They can make the car cheaper. Yeah, yeah. So, but it was Tremec designed eight speed dual clutch transmission. Which I think is fine. I, I'm, I'm which okay is different than the Tremec designed seven-speed dual clutch in the GT500, <laughs> which is also brand new. Yeah. Anyways, I find that. Um, so other than that, um, seeing other the, than that, Chevy uh, was there. Um, well, <laughs> I mean, I, I I do want to talk about the Blazer real fast. Sure. Um, the one thing I, I still think it looks good. It's a Camaro on stilts. It, it is, but that still means that it's looks good um mm -hmm. agreed i was quite shocked by 
the lack of space in the back because you're because you're because you're competing with like say like the honda passport and the the grand cherokee and the grand cherokee and both of those have a huge amount of space oh for sure and one of the big selling points now mind you i think the blazer looks better than the than the other two but i mean you know, I, I don't right. cargo space very much lacking because it because I, I saw I saw it. I saw the blazer at last year's auto show, mm-hmm. but they had it kind of locked off so you couldn't get into it. So this is the first time that I looked at the tr- at the cargo area and I was like, what? <laughs> this is oh, ridiculous. and apparently, according to review, to your point, according to reviewers, if you want one that is at all premium feeling. You're looking at fifty five thousand and up, which is crazy that it gets that expensive. That's insane, considering yeah. a top of the line, even a top line passport or Cherokee is, I want to say, low to mid forties, something like that. Yeah. You know, if we're talking about fifty five and up for a for a blazer with the, you know, was it the the RS all wheel drive with leather and you know moonroof or whatever? I'm like, come on. Yeah. I I don't want to be in the boardroom when that decision was made. Jeez. Yeah. Well, that was unfortunately not made in the boardroom. That was made down in the uh, in the oh, accounting yeah. office. In the. Yeesh. So. Anyways, uh, moving on. Where to next, Matt? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I apologize. My next dozen pictures are all uh, tuner cars. So let me get past all that stuff. Although they're beautiful. We don't need to talk about the uh, custom blue with, with orange accents, uh, Huracan. Uh, so, well, let me see what I'm look, actually looking at because I think what I'm looking at right now is. Although they did have well, an Aventador, oh. they did have an Aventador SVJ, and in and, red, and it looked. It, it I'm looking at it right as, now. As good as I remember it ever being. The gloss black wheels are fantastic. They work really nicely with the black roof. It's it's fantastic. And according yeah. to Matt Fair, the smoking tire, it's the first Lamborghini that goes around corners. First, sorry, first Aventador that goes around corners. Yeah, um, really well. And the thing is, just the Super Veloce Jota. Yep, is the best Aventador ever made, and it's not even close. Um, yeah. So good job, Lambo. Um, do you remember? They don't. The replacement for the Aventador is called the Sion S I A N. I think mm. that's your replacement. No, it's replacement? not. It's, no, or it's that, not a replacement. A, that was that's a, a limited production. Yeah, it's a limited production, but it's a it's a it's a hybrid of of a kind. Yeah. And the suppose supposedly the Aventador replacement is an is another NAV twelve. Well, is yeah, that the rumor you heard? Yeah. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyways, so, so what, what's, that. what's next in the... Uh... So then we get to Bentley. Ooh. And I, as some of you know, I am a sucker for a good orange car. Yep. Uh, our Instagram post on that one. Um, and honestly, this, this Continental GT with the 
chrome surrounds left on the uh, headlights I'm not normally a fan of, but it works really well here. And that orange is, it's sort of a light burnt orange, and it works really well. They did well, a just a fantastic job on that car. I have to admit that I have not always been a fan of the of of the first generation of this new Bentley styling of the of mm-hmm. you know kind of the round headlights and the you know this kind of a yeah, thing fair um but it has they they've been able to evolve it very well and now i love it like 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 the 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 the, the bentega suv that they have now it it mm-hmm. looks awesome. I think that's the best, the best iteration of that design, is on that Bentayga. The yes, yes. I think the Bentega needs a little bit of help because uh, it's not quite differentiated far enough from the from the Q8, the Audi Q8, or even the Audi Q7. But they're they're getting there. They're getting there. Yeah. Um, the big deal is that. The old the old Continental looks a lot like the new Continental, especially like a 2017 or 2018. Yeah. But the chassis used to be the chassis from a shortened VW Phaeton, which was problematic. The new chassis is a shortened Panamera chassis, which is very good. Yes. So And when you're owned by the Volkswagen group, uh-huh. there you go. We're all on board with that. So, um, and uh, apparently the V8 is the better choice for the GT because it lightens front end enough that it actually really, really carves canyons better, and you don't really notice the loss of power because it's still a big stonking Bentley V8. Yeah, <laughs> like it's um, very, very similar to the V8 out of the Porsche Cayenne Turbo S, I think. Yeah, which is not uh, a bad place to. Go. No, no. If if you're gonna rob a parts bin. Ending up in Porsche. <laughs> that's, that's a good part. It's been to rough. <laughs> yes, it is. So, anyways, um, moving on. Yes. So this is uh, this is embarrassing. Um, I think I'm looking at an 812 super fast in light blue. Mm. Which, um, you know what? I am. I this is partly out of laziness, but I am actually a fan of this new trend of uh, GTs and supercars um, using the horsepower number in their name. I, I yeah. I mean, it's, it's actually yeah. kind of old school. Like Ferrari used it forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Did they? Like, yeah. Cause like you have the, uh, uh, the GT uh, or the, the, the old, uh, yeah. The old 250 uh, California. That was, okay. 250 horsepower per bank. Oh, that makes more sense. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. But I didn't think it like, like, I always think of it as being more like the displacement, right? Like a 355, I think of as being like a three and a half liter V8, you know, or a 308 yeah. being a three liter V8. I don't think of it as being because that's that's well, like yeah. a four eight is a four and a half liter V eight four and a half with eight cylinders. Yeah, but 
Um, so, but eight, uh, you know, eight twelve the McLaren five seventy. It's brake horsepower as opposed to American horsepower, but still five seventy, uh, six seventy five, seven twenty. I'm I'm good with it too. I I I like it also. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, in the I didn't take as many, well, but yeah, this 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 light blue color has just a touch of like steel in it, for lack of a better term. Um, yeah. But it is it has got a really nice rise through the rear hips. So it's a really elegant look. Um, it almost looks like a more evolved version of the GTC4 Luso, which is definitely not a complaint. No, I don't. I don't think you could. <laughs> um, and let me just make sure because I don't want to skip. Okay, no, I got photos of it. Okay, so we'll get to that later. There are some more tuner cars mixed in, so I apologize. I'm kind of, yeah, making sure I hit the right the right notes here. Yeah. Um, but after that, then um, Aston. Yeah, and, I mean they uh, just keep looking good. Yeah, yeah, they they haven't really changed a whole lot in their design, but yeah, they still look no, fantastic. No complaints. They, yeah. you know, they're they're building better and better drivetrains and stuff, and I think, yeah, keep going Aston Martin. <clears throat> I'd like to switch back over to uh, some more more obtainable kind of vehicles. Um, okay, let's talk about Subaru. If you want to, sure. So one of the things that I want to say, and I know that I had said, hey, let's not talk about, you know, the the the, the setups that they had as far as their displays and everything. But I do want to give Subaru props. Their display was fantastic. They they grabbed the that outdoorsy feeling. Oh yeah. I mean, it was amazing. And from what I heard, down in LA, they actually had on their display at LA, they had fake snow that would fall periodically. Really? <laughs> yeah. So. I have mixed feelings about that, but okay. Yeah. I'll points for being clever. So, so kudos to them for a really, really good display. I think, I think they had the best display out of everybody at the show now (laughs) (laughs) can we talk Uh, about the cross trek again uh, i okay so i personally i like the the cross the regular cross trek i think they i think the first the first iteration of the cross trek was a piece of crap it the the suspension was completely off it was underpowered they fixed that super quick. Kudos to them, and I think it's. I, I think in the in the subcompact crossover segment, mm-hmm. it is the best one it's, out there. Followed very closely by the Honda HRV. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's a. It's a very difficult category because nobody is great. There is no such thing as a great subcompact crossover right now. I know. It's going to change eventually. Like the Q, the the Q3, Audi Q3 is probably the best, but it's slightly bigger than its category should be. It's also ungodly expensive. Um, And you know it's going to break because it's an Audi. Uh, Then you have 
things like the Toyota CHR, which is front-wheel drive only, which is... It is hideous. Awful-looking, and it has no. It has the same ground clearance as a Corolla, um, and all it has going for is upright seating position. Terrible. Um, the Honda HRV is much better than it was when it came out. That refresh was drastically needed and has improved it greatly. But, um, but it's still you still have the same so slow. tired, overworked 1.8 liter that was in the ninth generation Civic. It needs about yep. 20 more horsepower because, and I'm not just, and just, you know, I, I'm, I'm not just, hey, power, power, power. Because I'm not asking for, you know, 35 more power to give it, you know, the 1.5 turbo. I'm saying you could just go with the 158 horsepower 2.0 naturally aspirated in the base model Civics because of the fact that the HRV and the CRV have the same gas mileage. Just the same. And there's a how many many horsepower difference? Oh my gosh, uh, a ton. The uh, HRV, I think, is 141, and the CRV is 190. Yeah. Yeah. So 50 horsepower difference. Yeah. So. And there's probably a 500 pound difference in weight, if that, um, maybe less. So. Yeah. Anyways, but yeah, the, the Subaru Crosstrek. Yeah, Subaru Crosstrek. Um, the main problem with the Subaru Crosstrek, the gas model, is the fact that it does not have a ton of room behind the second row seats, even in its category. Yeah. The load floor is kind of high. It's kind of it's kind of cramped back there. It has decent rear seat room, but nothing in its category has great rear seat room. And then they put the hybrid system in it from the plug-in hybrid system from the Toyota Prius Prime because of the Toyota Subaru <laughs> crossover, the fact that Toyota owns a big chunk of the company. And it exacerbates the and no cargo no room in the cargo area i mean like it's as bad as the prius prime is if not worse in a crossover which is like then what's the point yeah and apparently this car is so rare the plug-in is that in the bay area at least in the area near where i live which is the we're going to call the greater oakland area they're five thousand over sticker because demand is so high and supply is so low it's and it's got 18 18 miles, I think, of electric range. Yeah, it's it's just sad. You, you, you can't be, you cannot be an SUV with no, it, Toyota gets away with it for the, for the Prius Prime because it looks like it does. Mm-hmm. It looks like a vehicle that is specifically designed for optimal fuel mileage. It looks, it looks like a four-door first-gen Honda Insight. Yeah, only not as nice. <laughs> um, but but you can't just. It it looks slapped together. It mm-hmm. just does. And then, then, you lay the back seats down. In the cross track. In the cross track, and then and, and you don't even. You, the, the fact that when you lay the back seats down, there's still this huge chunk of whatever right smack dab in the middle of your cargo space. Battery, yeah. I, I just... Yeah. It, it's just you know, so you, bad. It's, it's an SUV with no spare tire, 
which I understand the crossover category. It's basically a car. You don't, you're not going that far off. You're not going off road with it. I get it. The Rav4 plug-in hybrid won't have a spare tire either. But jeez, it's just none of it feels like they actually did the research. Yeah. It feels like a solution to yeah. a problem. Where it was like here, here's a here, here's a solution we can plug in to fill this hole, you know, to fill a problem that we have with emissions because everything is symmetrical, all wheel drive. And yeah, by the way, and I just all over it. It's way too way too early. But anyway, it, it's it seems like, and 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 this is a category of car that I've been really really loathing. For the longest time it's a solution looking for a problem yeah it is i mean it, it's it's it doesn't have the range to make it realistically competent you know you, you didn't give it the cargo space or you actually took away what little cargo space it had anyways yeah but so- moving on yeah, so so Subaru's there, um, and then I saw a stat the other day that nine out of every ten wagons—it's either eight or nine out of every ten wagons sold in America—is an Outback. So, which is perfectly fine to me because the Outback yeah. is fantastic. Yeah, so there's that. Um, and if yeah. you're really rich and you want a wagon, uh, the Audi RS6 Avant is coming next year. It, it sounds fantastic. The reviewers say it's amazing. It's the best guess. Is the base MSRP is going to be 130? So yeah, it it'll be ridiculously expensive. But but the fact that there's more than one fast wagon is not just all about the Mercedes E63 S anymore. Yeah, it's hypothetically that's really cool. Um, Okay, so speaking looks amazing. Speaking of German wagons, uh, the Rolls Royce Cullinan. (gasps) Oh. Is but I, I and I and don't don't and and don't think that I I didn't catch what you just did. Anyways, oh, thank you, appreciate it. Because it is built in England. It is. It is still built but in England. Yes, and it is Sorry. unique. It's unique. Well, it's a unique. Chassis. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It it's assembled in England. Yes, it's let's, assembled let's in England. Say that. It's it's a unique chassis, so we'll give them that. Yep. The profits it's do gigantic. Go back to... Holy crap! <laughs> right, it's typically typically two. No, it's it is a typically three row. I think there's a two row or three row option. You can get, you can option I think in it's only two. No, you you can option in third row seats that electrically pivot out so that they face the rear. Well, I don't care what they call them, but it's basically seats so that you so that you can you don't have to do the indignity of sitting on the tailgate to enjoy your champagne after your pheasant hunt. Well, after you watch your servants go pheasant hunting, because obviously you wouldn't go, you wouldn't well, dirty yourself with a nasty one. firearm. Um, you know, what I mean, yeah. Who knows? But but it, yeah, the, but, but in, third, in person it looks gigantic. Oh yeah, it's it's enormous. Um, yeah. I think was it 20, uh, 21 wheels inch wheels are standard, 
and 22s as are, are an option. It has the floating <laughs> center hubcap, so no matter how fast your wheels are turning, the Rolls-Royce logo is always centered. Yeah. Which, which, you know, that's fine. I, it's a Rolls, whatever. I, I, I love that opulence. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> it's just I, amazing I, to I, me. I think it has a starlight ceiling option as well. Yes, it um, does. Which uh, only two... Maybe no three, three Rolls Royce models offer that. Um, yes. Of course, your favorite out Rolls Royce doesn't offer offer that because you prefer that drop head business. Um, oh yes, the Dawn, <laughs> which they didn't have there at that year. No, they didn't. They only had they only had two. They only had the Cullinan. I only saw, I only saw the Cullinan and the Wraith. The yeah, the Wraith, which, which, which is basically which, a Dawn uh, with a hard top. Yeah. yeah. It's the the GT coupe yeah. thing. Um, yeah. I still like the fact that it has the uh, coach doors for the rear, where the rear doors yeah. um, swing open on the opposite hinge, um, so that the door handles for the front and rear meet. It's a very nice look, symmetrical and all yep. that. Um, so come you know, with the pop out umbrellas. Yep, yep. So it's 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 a Rolls Royce. They showed it in white. It looked great. It's still a Rolls. Um, yeah, and um, I think. Uh, Hyundai. I think Hyundai would be the next one to talk about. Okay. Because they the had. Next... Go Real ahead. Quick, the next, the next photo I have is of a McLaren 720s in orange, which is the color all McLaren should come in as standard because it's gorgeous, and it's it's their <laughs> it's it's their it's their old school classic. Like, in the same way that Ferrari has red, McLaren has this light burnt orange color, different than the Continental GT, but really nice. Okay, that's all. Yes. Okay, now on the on the uh, Hyundai, so you know the, the typical Hyundai's they 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 look good from afar, but they're far from good when you get close, Agreed. and that's most Hyundai's. Um, but and they had a really cool uh, racing simulator that was there, uh, Forza. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, the uh, uh, Lime Rock Park track. Yep, Lime Rock Park. So, who did better, your son or your daughter? <sighs> Wasn't even close. My my kids are elementary school age, and my son's the older one, so it was he did much better. Okay, but you know, she hit the tire wall four or five times. Oh, okay. Well, hey, you know, there's always room for improvement. <laughs> um, exactly. But I, I, I do want to say one thing. So I, I, I'm not a fan of the, uh, of the Hyundai Ionic, um, even though I think it is, um, it's nice to have something out there fighting directly with the Prius. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the split window in the back is even worse than the Prius. Yeah. Um, but I think it is the absolute best iteration of a push button transmission ever freaking made. You lay your hand up there and the palm of your hand fits right on top of that little rest. And then your fingers automatically fall right down exactly where they're supposed to be for the, for the three buttons, the park, the neutral and the yeah the the park the the drive and the reverse for the transmission I, it 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 just 
like I had Matt send it. I'm like, you, you've got to just set your hand up there. And he set his hand down. He went, oh my gosh. So it's, it's, it's tough to visualize this, but bear with me. If you, any of you ever sat in any modern Mercedes, there's that palm rest there. It's a glossy, huge piece of black plastic. And you, and you gesture off of that to make the, the screen move. And of course, the screen moves backwards because they're German, but of the way you expect it to move. But that palm rest there, it's a, imagine something similar to that but instead of being black plastic, it has this really nice, slightly soft leatherette pad. It's smaller, so it's not so gaudy and, and overdone. Um, and it's just it's just right. Yeah, it's perfect. They they absolutely nailed it. The buttons themselves, I, I... they feel slightly cheap, but in a Hyundai way where you sort of expect it. Um, yeah. But it's really really well designed i can't imagine doing that any better with the park reverse neutral drive being um set up as a uh you can't see my hand but being set up like a like a plus symbol but instead yeah. of the bottom part of the plus it's a it's a button in the middle the neutral um it's yeah really really good i mean i mean even though i think that you know honda did a decent job with theirs where you rest your hand up there and everything is tactile and you can actually feel where everything is, it does, th there is a little bit of learning with it. There is some getting used to it. With this, it's automatic. There, there yeah. is no learning to this. Well, it's yeah, just straight up, bam. You know, I mean, it's, I, I, I would equate it to Honda's is like learning basic math. Like one plus one is two. There's, it's easy, but you do have to learn it. The Hyundai's, the, the Hyundai Ionics was like touching a hot stove. You instantaneously oh. knew, don't do right. that. You, right. It was an instant learning. It was, it was that's amazing. Um, so that's the geeky end of the scale. So we need to talk about the sporty end of the scale. Yes. So... Zach, so the Veloster N has okay. I I, I have a love hate of it. It's we are we are both Zach and I agree very heavily on this car. I am specifically I am of two minds about this car. One is that after Road and Track named it Performance Car of the Year, I went back. And I reread what the criteria were, and it very well fit those criteria. I looked at the other cars it was up against and why it wasn't up against things that it competes closely with, like a Golf R or a Civic Type R, which I understand because they weren't new for that model year, not or heavily refreshed. And I agreed with Roden Track's assessment. However, if they had pitted it against all possible competitors, in its class, as well as the other cars, I don't think it would have come in even second. Yeah. The seats can't hold a candle to the Civic Type R seats. No. The shifter is worse than the Civic SI shifter, which is even worse than the Civic Type R shifter, which is glorious. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it's, the shifter is excessively heavy for no discernible reason. Well, no and I, and, the clutch and, is fine, and we, and we kind of, and we kind of skipped over Volkswagen, but both of us looked in that Golf R, 
Oh, and yeah. we're just blown away by just how uber luxury it looked. Oh, it yeah. Lo- I mean, everything looked amazing in that car. And, like, everything inside that car justified the number on the sticker. And then yeah. when you realize Whereas, it's a 300 horsepower all-wheel drive, you go, oh, yeah, this totally makes sense. Whereas with the with the Veloster N, I I don't think it, it doesn't look like you're paying for what you're paying for. It reminds me a lot of it reminds me a lot of my first my first opinions of the Civic Type R. Like I know that thing is blastedly fast and can absolutely churn better than most things, and, and it defies oh, most physics, laws of yeah, physics. Yeah, with the lap times and stuff. Yeah, but just looking at it, unless you know what it is, it doesn't justify its price. Right. Fair. And and I and I definitely don't think that that is the way that it is with the Veloster N. I think the Civic Si does. The Civic Si absolutely. Civic Si is a bargain. It's oh, it's more than a bargain, but um, so like, like but that, the, but that, but that Volkswagen, that Volkswagen Golf R, absolutely looks every single dime worth its its MSRP. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, you know the main the main knock against it is that it's heavy. Um, in part because of the Haldex yeah. all-wheel drive system, which which I get. But the, the, the one of the big things that bugged me about the Veloster N is the I can't remember if it's two or three thousand dollars for the performance pack, and the and they say that if you're going to buy a Veloster N, don't even bother unless you get the performance pack. And I'm yeah okay great. The performance pack is bigger brakes, more horsepower. I can't remember what it bumps it to exactly. It's not much. And and the, well. It's, Check it to be sure, because I th- I think it was like twenty or thirty horses, but um, and a limited slip diff. But a limited slip diff comes standard on the twenty five thousand dollars Civic Si, which has the Civic Si. Granted, it's longer, but it has a trunk instead of a hatch, so you know people can't see in the back of it. It's got dramatically more room in it. The the hatch on this on the Veloster N is this like cavernous thing where you open the hatch and it's like you reach down in to get your stuff out. It's really bizarre. The hatch, um, the bottom of the hatch opening is really high. Uh, it's kind of odd. Um, the Civic Si has room for four real adults. The Veloster N fits two on a good day. Um, the Veloster N has that super long coupe door on the driver's side, and then this then the chintzy little split door on the on the passenger side, just there's there's so many things in that car that once you get over the 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 speed thing and the lap times, you know, and sort of the way it and apparently its connectedness according to the road and track guys, you just sort of go, and it's got a Hyundai badge on top of all that. Eh. Okay, you know. so. Let me let me go over this. So the Please. performance package is twenty one hundred dollars. Okay. Uh, that adds a limited slip differential. Yep. That adds the variable exhaust valve system, which makes it pop. Okay. Uh, it gives you nineteen inch alloy wheels with Pirelli P zeros. 
it increases it to 275 horsepower and it gives you uh, 13.6 inch front rotors and 12.4 inch rear rotors. Okay, so basically it just increases yeah, it increases and, that. And, and and without that pack at 250 horse I'm pretty sure. So yeah. Pretty and pretty yet, good. It's still and it's still and I don't know why manufacturers do this still does not come with carpeted floor mats. <laughs> <laughs> it's just stupid. So anyways. Yeah, so there's that. So that's that's and that's I want to say right around thirty grand, right? Twenty nine nine. Yeah, like. right, right at yeah, including the performance package, which yeah. adds thirty thousand. You're at just just shy of thirty thousand. Okay, so five grand less. You can yes, for five grand less on the Civic Si, you get a more reliable car with better resale value. You lose seventy horsepower, which is not a, which is not a drop in the bucket. I totally get it. You get way more practicality, um, or you can step up to, uh, th- well, thirty-seven at sticker now for us for a Civic Type R and, and yeah. go that route. And you know, I mean, do what you got to do if you want a car that's you're going to have for a couple of years and then sell it before it drops too much in value. Then sure, get a Velociraptor and move up in the world. But see, to me, I think I, I think if you're if you're looking for a car that is 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 super fun and that you're going to be able to throw it around um and you don't have a family that you have to shove into it that type of thing i think the si is just about perfect um but i mean like like me and my family we we went with an accord sport 2.0 with a stick shift because we can still get out on the freeway and cruise and be all nice, comfortable, and luxury and stuff, but yet when you want to toss around a little bit, and you know, but well, then again, I mean that's that's thirty one thousand. So, right, right. Which there you go. Which I get. Um, all right. So I'm uh, in terms of sequence. I'm out. I've got nothing else uh, in terms of manufacturers. So, anything you have none? I mean there. I, I mean, and, and, and this will be kind of a segue into our, our next uh, podcast and stuff. I was really impressed with the number of trucks. And I think we're oh, starting yeah. to kind of go into, because we went from this, this, this era of the car, and the car was everything. And now we've transitioned in this SUV, uh, see our podcast on the SUV era. Um, but it's almost like trucks are really becoming like a thing now for the everyday person. Um, Honda has seen our, you know, Ridgeline sales go up. Um, you know, uh, a lot of the technology, um, is starting to come to, you know, the, the, the trucks, they're really starting to get updated and everything. And there's this new, the Bronco is coming, the rain, the Ford, the new Ford Ranger is supposed to be coming soon. Yeah. Yeah. The new Ford Ranger is coming soon, which 
I think Ford should have waited until the new Ford Ranger before they brought up, you know, well, they were trying to um, with the color. I, I, I think we're about to see um, a major refresh on the Ridge line, which should make it um, really good. Rumors of hybrid drivetrain for it. Um, and, uh, and I think, uh, and, and we're, we're getting into, you know, this, this electric pickup kind of fight between, uh-huh. you know, Rivian and Tesla and Ford and General Motors and to a lesser extent, Bollinger and, uh, what was the other one? I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, Lordstown. Yes. Thank you. That's what I'm trying to think of. Yeah. Yeah. It, no, it's, so, it's, it's nice to watch from the outside. I'm not a truck guy in any sense of the word. I mean, you grew up with trucks a lot more than I did, but it's really interesting to watch what's happening. And uh, I mean, in the, in the Bay Area, especially trucks are really hard to justify because there's parking spots are tight. Parallel parking is difficult, but you know what? In most of this country, pickup is pickups are king. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of people have, use them for different activities and so forth. And, and I think it's becoming much more mainstream and everything. So, yeah, for sure. But, uh, but yeah, think, that was the, that the, yeah, that's, that's the San Francisco auto show. Um, I enjoyed myself. Um, I think uh, it, it's, it's, it's nice to not have to deal with the huge fanfare and everything. And I think we got a good cross section of what was there. What do you think, Matt? Yep. I would say I, I had a great time. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to going back next year. And yep. uh, that that's the damn podcast. Absolutely. Vroom, vroom. All right. Good night.